This is ESPN New Hampshire, WGAM, Manchester, WGHM, Nashua. Welcome back to the stretch run. Two hours down, one to go here on ESPN New Hampshire. I am Jimmy Murphy, and Justin Sullivan is working the boards. We will talk to Manchester Monarchs head coach Rich Seeley shortly here on the show uh, as they prepare for their New Year's Eve battle with the Admirals. Uh, and they look to continue their solid play as of late. You know, like I said, it's a, it's a good New Year's Eve option for you, you know, start the night off there with some cheap seats and some fun hockey, you're watching a good team, and uh, watch the Monarchs uh, play on New Year's Eve, why not, go over there, if you're in the area, you should do it, and uh, on to talk about the season they're having right now, is their head coach, Rich Seeley, coach, how you doing, do you have a good Christmas? Doing well, happy holidays, fellas. Yeah, happy holidays as well, how was uh, your your short-lived holiday? Um, yeah, it was good. It was, uh, it was nice. It was real low key. Uh, didn't get back a little bit late. I think I got in about six thirty or seven in the morning on Christmas Eve mm-hmm. day, but, um, no, just lay low. So it was good. It was nice. Now, so do you have a uh, family in the area or you, you just kind of keep it with the immediate family? No, I do. I don't have any family in the area. I've got some family from out of town came for a visit. I've got a, oh, great. a little guy, a two and a half year old or two year old son. So grandma and grandpa are out uh, for a quick visit with him. Um, and yeah, so just, uh, just kind of low key laying low coach, uh, as far as the game goes there, you guys did get a five, four win over the Jackals. Um, for those that, uh, didn't listen or see any of it, uh, just describe what happened in that game. Uh, how, how was your impression of, uh, the team that night? You know, honestly, it's, uh, it can be a very, it was a difficult game to play. I thought that generally the guys played well and played hard. Um, we had 50 shots on net, which is. I think our high on the season this point, and that's you know kind of what I'd like to see us doing, sticking with a game plan, making sure we're putting lots of pucks on that. It was a seesaw game. I think we got up one, uh, maybe two, and they made it two, two one, and two two, and then we made it uh, three two before the end of the first uh, on a nice deflection by Kevin Morris, and uh, they managed to hang around. They're tough, tough to play against. They play a good defensive style and made it three three, and I think. Uh, going into the third, and uh, we came out, Daniel Champion in a good night for us. He had two goals in the third, which uh, capped off a hat-trick for him. His first one was uh, keeping a puck in in the offensive line along the wall and made a nice short side uh, shot to beat a goaltender, and then another 2-1 with him and Matt Leitner put us up. I think it's 5-3, and then, again, they just kind of kept hanging around. We had a little bit of a 
uh, a letdown, a couple letdowns, I guess, or four decisions, and they they were able to capitalize. So made it five four, uh, but ultimately able to fend them off, and a, and a good a good way to go into our break, uh, getting two points in the road. For sure. And this break, I think we might have discussed it a little last show, but let's just do it again here. How do you handle this uh, little time off? You don't play again until New Year's Eve. Uh, what's this week like for the team? Uh, the guys are off. We don't have practice. Mandatory practice is not until the 29th at 3 o'clock. So guys will have some time off to recoup and recover. Uh, and, again, the protocol for them is they're professionals. It's their job. Uh, we don't expect when they come back on the 29th that it takes a week for them to get going again. It'll take two, three days. Um, so uh, workouts on their own over the holidays, try to get into the gym or maybe on the ice or get a couple, at least a couple good workouts in. Um, it's been, is what we've requested of them. But we'll have official practice back on the 29th at 3 o'clock. We'll practice the 30th. Pre-game skate uh, quickly in the morning of the 31st. And then uh, obviously a nice New Year's Eve game at home there against Norfolk on the 31st. So it's, uh, it'll be good to get back at it. Now, in terms of uh, injuries, how's the uh, the health situation looking right now with the team? You know, it's been it's been pretty good. We had a couple guys uh, a little bit under the weather out, out of the trip, and a couple guys uh, over the course of three games that needed a night off here and there. We had uh, a forward dinged up a little bit. Uh, nothing long term uh, right now, which is which is ideal. Gasper Gasper Kopitar is working his way back off from a long term injury, missed sixteen games, I think it is. So he played two or three on the road trip for us, which was a positive sign, and no no setbacks there. So looking forward for him to, to being healthy this second half. Um, yeah, on the injury front, so far so good, but we've got a heavy stretch of games in January, and I would also imagine call-ups are going to be coming coming pretty heavily here as we've had some success thus far, and teams tend, American League teams tend to take notice, so that, that's all in all a positive thing for everybody. And that's a good segue there. Great minds think alike. I was just going to mention that you did have uh, Alex Privatera was just loaned to the Ontario Reign of the AHL, which makes him the eighth player that you guys have sent to the AHL this season. Um, as you said, it's a, it, it's a good, it's a happy situation. Uh, but at the same time, how do you adjust as a coach, and how have you uh, felt that your team has adjusted each time that has happened? Um, you know, we, it's been very rare that we've had the – sustaining lineup in back to back i think maybe only three times this year um mm-hmm. it's yeah it's a part of our leadership group or core group that's here um you know we'll adjust obviously alex was out of the lineup for a little bit back in the lineup and now he's in the american league and uh the idea is that we've got uh we still got six other guys that are hungry and can kind of kind of fill that void um you know we'll probably lose another guy here today i would imagine so um, yeah, that's where the depth of the team comes in. And, you know, guys are kind of chomping at the bit. Some guys play some solid roles right now. And with guys called up or injured, uh, oftentimes we'll ask them to expand that role a little bit. And we've got a few guys that I think are, are ready for that. So. And in terms of, you know, the communication with uh, – you're now affiliated with Florida and L.A. Um, and man, obviously they're minor league – they're AHL teams – uh, how's that been, and specifically more with uh, with Florida because that's a new team there in Springfield? What's that been like for you guys? No, they they do a really good job. Um, you know, I often talk with Jordy Kinnear, the, the head field and Air Choice, the assistant GM in Florida, and um, you know they're good about communicating and working off their lineup, who's in and out for them, and what's going on in Florida. And we do the same with obviously Ontario and Los Angeles. And I got to say the the communication on both sides is, has been really good. Um, it obviously that's been flows it, it with regards to you know their needs at their time they can run in heavy portions of schedule and be down a ton of D man or they could be healthy so 
Um, you know, the communication is key to, to have it run as smooth as possible. It's, it's not always perfect, but, um, you know, so far so good, the, the, you know, the first kind of year and a half working with Florida and LA. And what happens, I mean, does it have a trickle-down effect? I mean, this may sound like a rhetorical question. I'm not sure, but maybe I'm wrong. Does it have a, a, a trickle-down effect when, say, you know, Florida goes through a string of injuries and needs to call up some people uh, from Springfield? Does that then affect you guys as well? Yeah, 100%. Uh, typically it does. You yeah. know, every team's, you know, at our level got a guy or two extra, but Florida, Hubertor has been out. Hubertor has been out since the start of the year, and then, um, uh, uh, Bukes, uh, Bukestad is just coming back or kind of getting healthy. So they had to start the season with a couple extra fours to make sure in Florida to fill those roles. And as everybody gets healthy, if they do, then there may be a guy or two extra in Florida that gets shuffled down to Springfield and vice versa. And, you know, typically during that time, I think they, you know, they're obviously a couple fours down to start. And then, you know, you lose a couple guys to injury. Uh, Springfield loses a couple guys. So, it's kind of like I said. It just kind of goes up, up and down, and, and typically it is a trickle down effect. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, and, and we kind of deal with it and find find accordingly. What about when there's a shakeup like Florida had at the NHL level, where Tom Rowe takes over as head coach, uh, and then you know we see that Gerard Gallant is gone there. Um, does that affect uh, you guys at all in terms of call ups and what have you? Um, not necessarily. I, I think. You know, obviously that's kind of internal in their dressing room, but uh, you know they have a, a certain game plan that uh, that kind of is talked about and mandated at the start of the year. And I don't see them doing anything else than, than sticking with with their guns and what they feel is going to be most beneficial for the Florida Panthers Hockey Club. And uh, no, you know, and that's I think Tom stepping in to take over the coaching role there. And um, he may have some familiarity, maybe a shift or two, depending on how he likes to kind of tinker with his team. Maybe he'd like a little bit more size as opposed to skill or vice versa, and that may affect a player or two, but not a ton. I think, you know, a lot of that is talked about over the summertime and, you know, how the team wants to play and is going to play and what kind of players they need to do that. So as far as the coaching change, I think it's kind of utilizing those guys and, um, you know, trying to keep the onus on the player. So the shakeup in, in Florida, the change in, in coaching staff, it hasn't affected us too much here in Manchester and, I don't believe too much in, in Springfield as well uh, as of yet. And, uh, you know, finally, just on this topic, do you ever get guys, I'm sure there's players that uh, tend to go up and down a lot through the ranks, uh, you know, like, it, you know, each team sort of has their go-to guy, so to speak. Um, if somebody's out, they're going to go to that same guy again and bring him up. Is there a guy like that that you've had this season um, on your team that, that's gone up a lot more often than others? Well, Matt Leitner is a little bit of a guy that uh, is a really quality hockey player. And I don't imagine will be here that long. He, he's, he's had uh, when he's been healthy, he's been playing really well, and you know, obviously, seen some time time in Springfield already, and saw some time in Ontario last year. But I think it depends on each team's needs. Um, you know, typically, teams are getting a little bit more specific with the role they're looking to fill, um, mm-hmm. especially at the American League and NHL level. So, although. Matt Leitner may be our best offensive play, left-handed playmaking center. They may be looking for uh, a right-wing guy with uh, some experience or some size, and that that's not Matt Leitner. So I think in that sense, I think we've got our bases covered with uh, any American League, League club that's looking for a specific role. I'd like to think that we've got guys that can fill that, whether it be a right or left-handed offensive demon or you know, a, a big power forward left-winger or a, you know, kind of a, a right-handed centerman that uh, – they can play 200 feet. I'd like to think we got it all covered, but 
Cool. So I, I guess my general answer to that one is I think, you know, I feel like it gets a little more specific at times. It's not you. really, hey, no matter what happens, if a forward goes down, it's this guy, or if a D-man goes down, it's this guy. Um, it's it's a little more specific than that. But I imagine you, you advise these uh, these kids, uh, always keep your bags packed. You never know, right? Always have your passport. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> you know, we talked about that over Christmas break, and we've, well, we've run into an instance of that today, and, you know, guys will... Guys need to be ready for their opportunity. That's that's our job. As we talked about the backup goaltenders, same for our 22 guys or 20 guys on our roster. I'm not sure when their opportunity in the American League is going to arise, whether it be uh, Christmas morning as it was for Alex Privatera or if it's going to be Boxing Day or New Year's Day for another guy. But the, the trick is to be ready to go and take advantage of the opportunity when it does arise. And finally, uh, after this New Year's Eve game, I believe you embark on what, to this point, is the longest uh, road trip you've had, the five games? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, we've got a, Yeah, I think that'd be the longest stretch right now for road for road games. Um, so it'll be a good trip. We're down for in Florida for a week, and actually the whole month of January is going to keep us on our toes. We've, like I said, I talked about in the outside. I think we got 14 or 15 games yeah. in 26 or 27 nights, so... Um, yeah, we'll, we'll be busy, and that'll 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 be good for our guys, and it'll be a good test for our hockey club. How much do you believe in that sort of you know theory that a long road trip like that and and being on the road uh, together helps you know bond the team and, and build team chemistry? Does that play the same role down in the ECHL as say some teams say it does up in the A or in the N? Uh for sure. Yeah, I think it does. You know, anytime. You know, we have a pretty close group of guys. and uh, But, yeah, you know, you get to know each other and you kind of have some good experiences on the road and um, some good battles and some tough plans. So when you go out on the road, that can definitely bring guys together. It's important, especially at, at our at our level, to make sure we got the appropriate numbers and, and the right guys around because we're going into some tough buildings to play. And obviously, one in, uh, in Orlando and another top-ranked club and another one in, in Florida. I think we're down there for three, so that'll... Uh, that'll keep us busy. We know we've got a couple of games in that around back later on in the month of January. So, yeah, it helps the guys come together a little bit. Good stuff, my friend. Well, listen, Coach, we wish you the best of luck, and uh, we won't talk to you again until 2017. So have a healthy and happy new year, and uh, enjoy the, the small downtime you have right now, all right? Sounds good. All right, that is head coach Rich Celia, the Manchester Monarchs, joining us here on the stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. We're gonna uh, we're gonna talk a little more about the national, as some of them refer to it, the NHL, and specifically the Boston Bruins in our next segment. As we welcome on Boston Bruins beat reporter for CSNNE.com, Joe Haggerty. And uh, speaking of CSNNE.com and Comcast Sports New England, uh, glad that Mr. Haggerty is still a part of them. I don't know if anyone noticed, but been a lot of layoffs in our business and uh, two big names uh, being shown the door as a result of some budget cuts, and that is Sean McAdam, who you've heard here multiple times on the stretch run, uh, covers the Red Sox for Comcast Sportsnet New England, and legendary Bob Newmeyer, a great hockey voice, he called a lot of Bruins games back in the day, and also some Hartford Whalers games, and uh, he was let go. And then on uh, another guest that we have on a lot, and uh, was very upset to see this happen, uh, WEI.com is apparently cleaning house on the website right now. And unfortunately, one of the uh, writers who was let go and, and will have his, uh, I think it's final game he'll cover, will be this Sunday on New Year's Day for the Dolphins. And that is 
our regular guest. He comes on like once a week with us, Chris Price uh, from WEEI.com. So we wish them the best of the luck, and uh, we thank them for all the contributions. And we'll still have them on the show. Uh, that will not be an issue. They can still bring a wealth of knowledge on their respective sports. So, uh, But best of luck to them. And it's just, uh, as a fellow journalist, it's just tough stuff to see right now. So keep them in your mind, and uh, hopefully they have a better new year ahead. We are the Stretch Run here in ESPN New Hampshire. We'll be back with Joe Haggerty of Comcast Sportsnet New England. Stay with us. Run with Jimmy Murphy. Stay tuned for the right time with Bomani Jones, only here on ESPN New Hampshire Radio. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Star running backs Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey won't play in their bowl games later this month. They're both going to work on preparing for the NFL draft. And can you really blame them? Neither back has anything to gain by showing up for their bowl game. Some people will question their dedication, but there's a bigger issue, and that's with the college football playoff. The other Bulls don't mean that much. Will we really look back at McCaffrey's performance in the Sun Bowl and think differently about him? Or Fournette in the Buffalo Wild Wings Citrus Bowl? This probably never would have happened back in the day. We know a lot more about the physical impact the game takes on players, and especially running backs. Every carry is precious. Their NFL careers don't last long. McCaffrey and Fournette have done a lot for their schools. It's a bit of a bummer we won't be able to see them play college football again but they do deserve a pass for thinking of themselves now. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Did you know that identity theft goes beyond what you can see on a credit report and what your bank can alert you to? Identity thieves can open new accounts in your name, rent or buy properties in your name, drain your 401k, and even file fake tax returns in your name. In fact, there are all kinds of identity theft beyond what you might expect. That's why LifeLock goes beyond credit monitoring to help protect your identity. We use proprietary technology to alert you to a whole range of threats to your identity. And if there's a problem, one of our U.S.-based specialists will work to fix it. Of course, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But with LifeLock, you can feel beyond good knowing someone is looking out for you in all kinds of ways. Join now for 10% off. Go to lifelock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK and use promo code NEWS. LIFELOCK. Last radio. Which is worse, a trip to the hospital or the fees and bills that come with it? At the Bedford Ambulatory Surgical Center, they provide a comfortable and friendly environment while offering high-quality imaging for open MRI and low-dose CAT scans and ultrasounds, all at an affordable price. Their modern technology allows for accurate diagnosis while ensuring complete patient comfort and safety. For more information or to set up an appointment, please call 603-622-3670 or visit bedfordsurgical.com or baskimaging.com. 
It's the year-end holiday event going on now at North End Mazda in Lunenburg. From now until January 3rd, get 0% financing for 63 months on all 2016 Mazda vehicles in stock. Make no payments until March and get a $250 gift card just in time for the holidays. Like the new 2016 Mazda 3i, the new 2016 Mazda 6i, or the new 2016 Mazda CX-5. Over 350 vehicles in stock. You're one click away from great holiday savings at BuyNorthEndMazda.com. See dealer or go to BuyNorthEndMazda.com for details. Offer ends January 3rd. Did you know there are medical grants available for families struggling with child health-related expenses? The United Healthcare Children's Foundation is currently seeking grant applications from families in need of financial assistance to help pay for their child's health care treatment, services, or equipment not covered or not fully covered by their commercial health insurance plan. Grants are often used to pay for medical services and equipment such as physical, occupational, and speech therapy, counseling services, surgeries, prescriptions, wheelchairs, orthotics, eyeglasses, and hearing aids. Parents and legal guardians may apply for grants up to $5,000 at www.uhccf.org. That's www.uhccf.org. To be eligible for grants, children must be 16 years of age or younger. Families must meet economic guidelines, reside in the United States, and have a commercial health insurance plan. Families do not need to have insurance through United Healthcare to be eligible. Last year, the United Healthcare Children's Foundation awarded medical grants to more than 2,000 children. This has been a public service message from the United Healthcare Children's Foundation. It's pouring rain. It's real dark outside. Your heart starts beating really, really fast. You've never done anything so hard in your life. This is boot camp. This is the real thing now. It's such extreme pain, you don't understand how you can finish. I began to feel that there was no way I was ever going to have my title, U.S. Marine. It takes special inner strength, courage, and desire to do this. I was just thinking, I'm so close. I'm so close. And when I, I finished, I was like, I'm done. I did it. The moment I will never forget is when this drill instructor that I admire so much comes up to me straight in front of me, put her arm on my shoulder and said, good morning, Marine. PFC Summer Volkman became a Marine. Can you? Visit Marines.com or call 1-800-MARINES. The few, the proud, the Marines. Text the show from our new text line at 
some nifty hands and a surprising shot using the defenseman as a screen by Tevo Teravainen. And you look back to Jordan Stahl's goal, the biggest of the game, shorthanded, blocker side. Falk's goal to tie the game, blocker side high. Teravainen's goal to win the game on the blocker side. What a win. And welcome back to the Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy. Justin Sullivan working the boards. Yeah. It wasn't the Christmas present Bruins fans wanted there. Just a, another ugly collapse by the Bruins down in Carolina. One thing I got to give them credit for, they didn't blame the ice. They've had their ice problems there in Carolina. So I'll, I'll give the Bruins kudos for that. No excuses. Uh, but I think uh, our next guest, uh, Joe Haggerty of Comcast Sportsnet New England, will agree with me that it might be time to either call Zane McIntyre up or get a new backup goalie because Anton Hudobin is just not getting it done, is he, Joe? No, he's not. And, you know, one win uh, for Anton Hudobin on the season, one win in 10 games from the Bruins' backup goaltenders this year, and um, it's pretty apparent. They're not getting what they need out of their backup goaltenders. Uh, if they want to be a playoff team, they need more wins and better results uh, from a team perspective than what they're getting when Tuka Rask isn't playing. And, you know, Hudobin <clears throat> has, by my estimation, played well once in the seven games that he's played. Um, and not enough saves to win games, saves when the Bruins need it. I think uh, has been far too beatable at times. I mean, that goal in overtime, he needs to have that. You know, it's just a, another soft goal given up. And seems like he gives up, like, at least one of those per game, and, and that's just too much. And, you know, obviously, backup goaltender's a tough gig in the NHL. We all understand that, uh, especially when Tuka Rask is your, uh, the guy that you're with and he plays a lot of the time. But, you know, that's what they uh, went out and sought out Dobin for on July 1st and signed him to a two-year uh, for. And, you know, he's not getting the job done. You have a guy in Zane McIntyre down in Providence who is 8-0 or was at last check, uh, was leading the AHL in save percentage, and, you know, by all accounts is, uh, has dominated down there. And I thought, you know, even though he gave up some goals, fared fairly well in, in difficult situations uh, with the Bruins when he was called up uh, to play in Madison Square Garden and the Bell Center, two very difficult places to play. So I really think at this point, uh, they've seen enough out of Hudobin. I'm not sure that anybody's going to claim him on waivers. Um, and it would do the team, I think, uh, some good to maybe send him down and bring up McIntyre and see if they can get a hot backup goalie uh, to help them get a couple of wins here uh, when Tuka Rask isn't playing. For sure. And uh, Tuka Rask will, though, get the start tonight against the hottest and, as we speak, record-wise, point-wise at least, the best team in the NHL. Hell has just frozen over after I say this. The Columbus Blue Jackets, Joe. And we had Aaron Portsline on earlier, and uh, he was discussing the success and and maybe some things that have changed since the last time uh, these two met. And and keep in mind, the Bruins are the only team to beat them twice this year. Uh, They have two of the five regulation 
wins against the Blue Jackets this year. But still, this is a team on a roll right now, and Tuka Rask, is, he does on many nights, is going to have his hands full. What do the Bruins need to do in this game uh, to snap the street for the Blue Jackets? Well, I, I think they just need to play a fundamentally sound, strong game. Uh, Columbus is a very physical team, uh, very good on special teams. Um, they've got good, a good goaltender, obviously. A big, heavy, physical team. I, you know, the Bruins are going to be hard-pressed in this game. I think they've had their success earlier in the season. They had their way with uh, Columbus before they really found their stride. And, and I think this is going to be a real difficult challenge for a Bruins team that you know, has played better on the road, but I think is not uh, playing anywhere close to their best hockey, having lost 7 of 10 going into the holiday break and you know, still not scoring like they need to, not getting great special teams play. Uh, I think they have to hope that uh, they can go toe-to-toe with Columbus in, in the physical department and you know, find a way to get to the front of the net and make something happen like they haven't uh, so many times this year in the offensive zone and ho- hope that Tuka Rask has a great game and you know, holds them to one goal or none and that they can win a 2-1, to one, one nothing game. Because I think if it's anything more than that, I am still I still haven't seen enough out of the Bruins to think that they're going to be able to score goals. And <clears throat> certainly haven't seen enough, uh, you know, from Frank Vitrano um, since he came back to think that he's going to con- uh, all of a sudden elevate the offense. He gave him a nice burst in that first game, but it may take him a little while to really round into form. And, you know, I think the Bruins are relying on him now after bringing him up for some offense, and it might take a little while before he gets there. And, yeah, uh, this has all the makings of a, a feel a feel bad moment coming out of the holiday break for the Bruins, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, and it's always a tough time too coming out of the holidays for any team, not just the Bruins. I mean, yep. there's just sort of that. It, it, I don't know. It, it, it's almost like a you know anybody working their regular job. You know, it, it's a tough week to stay focused. The holidays, it always is that that week between. Christmas and New Year's and those days, you know, you got family and all this, and you just, you're out of your groove, so to speak, and we know how routine hockey is, so uh, one of these teams will be affected, but I, ironically, you know, we talk about, I, I too agree with you, I have a feeling it's going to be a low-scoring game, um, but one thing, though, is the Bruins have had uh, Bobrovsky's number, uh, he's never yeah. beaten them in his whole career, not not with uh, Columbus and not with Philly, Um so that's one good thing going for them there. But I'm with you. The one thing that Aaron said, he thought that the Bruins were doing well uh, against the Blue Jackets in the first two games. And I don't know if they can do it now because I think Columbus has corrected it. But that is taking advantage of that highly risk-taking Columbus defense. Those young defensemen love to take risks there, which makes it great, exciting hockey. But it can go quickly the other way. And he pointed out, that's where all the Bruins' goals were in that last game, where pretty much all odd man rushes. I, the way I've been watching Columbus lately, they're not making those mistakes anymore, Joe. No, they're not. And, you know, they've got some young defense, <clears throat> defensemen, but I think those defensemen have learned on the job, matured, and, mm. you know, are improving. And obviously Zach Wierenski's right in the middle of that, and I think he's turned into a, you know, a real uh, a real highlight for this Columbus team and one of the uh, the best rookies in the league and, you know, kind of a, uh, a dark horse, uh, Calder, uh, trophy mm-hmm. candidate. Um, they got Ryan and, Murray, Seth yep. Jones. And they do, Yeah. And, uh, Provorov in Philly. I mean, there's some really good young defensemen out there and he's one of them along with Brandon Carlo. Um, 
And, you know, I, I don't think he's going to make the same mistakes he made earlier in the season. I think he definitely – he was a guy that they actually uh, victimized a little bit. Yeah. In one of those early games from what I remember. And, yep. you know, I, that's not, I think, going to happen as easily. I don't think they have the kind of players um, that are playing at the high level that are going to force Columbus into mistakes like they want to. And, you know, who knows? Maybe things will change. Maybe the Bruins will finally snap in and play a sort of aggressive, fast hockey. And, and some of these players that have kind of – floated through the first three months where we'll suddenly lock in. But, you know, I, it, it's tough to tell with this Bruins team what you're going to get on a nightly basis. It feels like they've had to grind out a lot of low-scoring games because they're not generating a lot. And Tuka Rask has had to, to do a lot of the heavy lifting, and I think that's going to continue to be the case. And uh, you, you have to wonder, A, how long they can survive like that, and B, how long uh, Tuka Rask can kind of hold a lot of this on his shoulders before uh, that starts to give way, too. And, uh, you know, I, I – I, Obviously, they had really good success against a good team, but I, I kind of discount those games they had against them earlier in the season because I feel like Boston is a different team and Columbus is a different team now. And uh, tonight will probably be a pretty good barometer of where both teams are at this point. Yeah, and you know, Joe, one of the things too, you know, Justin and I say it all the time. We mention it again tonight, and it drives us nuts. But man, if we just listened to ourselves and took it to Vegas, we'd be millionaires. Is the the Bruins? The typical Bruins this far, thus far this season would be the type where, you know, they go out like, the, you know, like that, that week towards the end of the, uh, before the holiday break there, you know, they, they'd be, they uh, lost, they got a point in Pittsburgh, they beat Montreal in overtime, and, and then, you, you know, they, they come home and they're like, just lay an egg against an Islanders team that absolutely stinks, that they, that it's maybe a team where you could actually say the Bruins should beat them, they don't win, and then the games that they shouldn't win, and most people's eyes, they win. But like you right. just said, I, I think you're right. We're getting to that point in the in the year where that won't happen as much, where they're not going to be able to sneak up on teams anymore. They're not going to catch those really good teams having those off nights. Or it, It's not going to happen as much because teams are going to buckle down now and the teams are who they are and the Bruins are who they are. They're what we've said all along. They're a, they're a, you know, a playoff bubble team. And I wonder... Based on that, you know, and I know we've kind of butted heads on it, but I think you're right. I think it's coming. You know, are we going to, you know, before even say January 1st, before this Sunday, are we going to see a new coach? Well, I, I think, put it this way, I think the first extended um, run of bad games uh, that the Bruins hit here, I think he, Claude may not survive that. You know, I think when they go into a, a downward spiral, uh, a bad spell here, uh, it, it may ultimately end up costing him his job. And, and you know, look, if they come out and they – I kind of thought they might, he might be in trouble when they went on those two games out on the road prior to the break if they didn't do much. And they took three or four, four points and, you know, I think did enough for it to be okay and, and stable for the time being. But they've still lost seven out of ten games. They've still scored two goals or less in the vast majority of their games this year. Um, you know, there's still some fundamental problems with this team and some, you know, the power play's been terrible. Um, there are so many key players, good players mm -hmm. on this team that have struggled. And, uh, you know, there are times when the Bruins aren't ready to play, especially, as you're saying, against uh, beatable opponents. You know, a lot of this comes down to a reflection of the coaching. And, you know... When, when the, the best players aren't uh, doing their sh part and aren't uh, shouldering their part of the load, 
that I, that I think is when you start to see a head coach get into trouble. You know, when the guys that have always done it for you are all of a sudden not getting it done. And, you know, I think there are probably different reasons for some of the players that, that have uh, the, the core group, the Bergeron, Spooner, Krejci, uh, Krug, you know, guys like that, why, why they haven't necessarily been at their uh, tippy top all year. Uh, but if those players don't you know, aren't able to put out for you and, and get it done, I think that's when it starts becoming trouble. And, uh, you know, I, when you put all those pieces together, yes, the Bruins are in a playoff spot, but I think if they hit a, a patch in January during the dog days where they all of a sudden mm-hmm. tailspin and, you know, lose three in a row or, you know, four or six or something like that, uh, given where the position they're in now, uh, he could very well be in trouble. And, and I really think it's just a matter of time this year. Uh, they're going to hit a rough patch, and I think when they do it, it might end up like uh, he might not survive that. But here, here's my issue with it, and, and I, uh, you and I think this. We're, we're on the same page there. I, we think opposite that it should happen. I don't think I don't think it should, but I understand why it will, and yeah. I agree with you when it might. But my thing is, is all right. How many of these times, like you just said, I was you were looking at the the Florida the Florida Carolina games, right? And you're like, all right, if they lose both of the how many times have we seen been in that situation where we said that to ourselves and then somehow they come up with, with those points that you don't think they're going to get and he hangs on for another life? And, it, and it's almost like, you know, Joe, we're not the only ones thinking this and it's not just reporters, it's not just fans. We, we know, we've heard what's, what's going on within that organization right now and it's almost like they're waiting to do You know, it's almost like just get it over with already so not only Claude can move on, but also the team, you, you best right. you best do it, like, if you're going to do it, do it soon. Because it's going to give you time to, A, maybe salvage the season, all right? And if not that, at least it gives you a large body of work that you can really evaluate where these players are at because you've now given them a new system to deal with. You can see how they react to that. Don't let it be one of these things where, you know, you wait until you're out of it and you're down, like... Just get it over with if you're going to do it, and if not, ride it out. And I, I just think that's their problem is, like, they've been at those points where maybe they've missed their window to do it, and then it's too late, and then they, they look bad if they do do it because he is surprising. He does have them in playoff contention, and they shouldn't really be there, but he's coached them there, and it, they're just going to take a bad PR hit. If they get that window where there's not going to be a bad PR hit, they better do it because it, – it, it might be their last chance for the season. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And look, and I, I think that window's different... coming, man. Two two yeah, games against so Buffalo. Too. If you go, if they get smoked tonight, and then they lose back to back against Buffalo, that's got to be yeah. it. Yeah, I mean something like that. Sure, you know that that would have they would have lost nine of their last twelve. Um, you know, losing to beatable opponents, just a, a bad start to uh, the the post holiday break, and you know. And, it would be the perfect time to get it done. I think the the trigger finger is already getting itchy there. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to take much. And uh, you know, my thing is just this, Murph. I, I Claude's a great coach. We all know that he's had a great run here. There's no question about mm-hmm. that. He's the best coach of my lifetime uh, with the Bruins, and I think the best coach they've ever had. And mine. Yep. But I don't necessarily think he's getting the best out of everybody on that team right now. And I don't necessarily. And yes, they're in a playoff spot, but I don't think it's been. You know, it's been uh, any great impressive thing that that they've done to get them there, and I still am a little leery and suspect of the defense being the true structure of this team. You know, I, I feel like if things really start to go downhill, that might end up collapsing on them a little bit too. So, yeah. 
you know, I, I, I think Tuka Rask is holding a lot of this together. Oh. And, and I think, you know, he's hiding a lot of uh, flaws. Yeah. And I think David Pochnack has done as well. I think the two of them, Tuka and David Pochnack, have hidden a lot of flaws in this team with the way that they played in the first few months of the season. And I think if things start to give way a little bit, you're going to see a lot of those flaws uh, come to fr- come to the surface. And I, I just don't I, – I, when you go up and down the lineup, you know, tell me how many guys are uh, achieving at the level you thought they were going to or playing at the level they need to. And, you know, there's some very important players and, and a lot of guys in that roster that aren't doing it. And yeah. if that's the case, then the coach isn't getting the most out of the players. And, you know, just look at their offense. They're, they're getting 40, 50, 35 shots, out shooting teams two to one in games, like racking up shots all over the place. You know, the, the Corsi people are, are having an orgasm over it. Um, but they're not, they're all perimeter shots. These guys yeah. aren't fighting to get to the front of the net. And they're not working hard enough. And there's not enough desperation there. And I think that's a reflection of them not pay, paying the price they need to. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm, I'm with you in a bit, a bit there. But the one thing I, I stand by, though, and I think it's something to pay attention to, especially if there is a coaching change, is if you recall when they came back and announced they were bringing Claude back. And it was a few days, right, after they lost to Ottawa there in the last game of the season. They openly said, we sat down, and Claude said it too, we sat down and we told Claude he's going to have to do this, he's going to have to do X, Y, Z, and he agreed to it. And so that's why we're keeping him. So if they told Claude what to do, is he not doing what he was told to do and not necessarily just doing his own thing right now. And and that, to me, I'm not saying a coaching change is the wrong move because of that, but what I'm trying to say is I think the philosophy problem is much bigger than Claude. And that's where I think they're going to run into trouble regardless of what happens with Claude. There's still going to be a lot of issues. I agree, but if he's a coach that's doing what somebody else is telling them to do rather than what he wants to do, he should probably go somewhere else anyway. I mean, it's, if it's to that Yeah, point, I would want to go somewhere else too. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's to the point where they want somebody else. You probably would be a better fit somewhere else, and it's best to and you know sort of sort of move on. I'll tell you this: I I told a uh, a GM via text last week what I heard and what I told you and what I've said on the radio here that they're ready to do it, and he said we're already writing a contract. So yep. he's not. I don't know why he wants to. I, I I get it. He loves it here, but at the same time, you know what, Claude. Don't deal with this. Move on. Let them do their thing. Let them mess it up. He deserves better, in my eyes. That's what I think. Yeah, I agree. But, like, this is going to be his legacy job. You know, this is the one that everybody's going to look back on when his coaching career is over as the most noteworthy, oh, yeah. I think. Of, and of he's achieved. What, so, he's done a great job. He has. But I think he probably wants it to end it on his terms. Yeah. I just don't think I don't think this is going to happen. I, rarely in this in this I was just uh, going to say good luck world, with that. Things end on uh, the terms that you want it to. Exactly. You know? As as we're all finding out in this journalism business right now, right? Sure. Oh, it's tough. But hey, listen my friend, you have a great one, Joe. I hope you had a great Christmas. Happy New Year and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. You too, Murph. Thank right. everybody. Merry Christmas to everybody. All right, that is Joe Haggerty of Comcast Sportsnet New England joining us here in the stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. We got one segment left. We'll be back. Stay with us. Listening to the Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy. Stay tuned for the right time with Bomani Jones, only here on ESPN New Hampshire Radio.
Oh, yeah. Now I'm getting excited. Yep. Mighty, mighty. Boston's tomorrow. House of Blues. Flashbacks, man. Hometown throwdown. The best. The best. There you go. Get, looking forward to that. Play a lot of Boston's, I think, during the show tomorrow. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I get excited to go to that with Karen O'Donohue down in Boston and my good friends George Benzi and Eric Solnier. Looking forward to seeing you guys. Uh, but before we get to that, we've got had a great show, and we've got the Bruins pregame lined up for you in the next hour, 6 to 7 p.m., and then, of course, Bruins at Columbus Blue Jackets broadcast live here on ESPN New Hampshire. But in the pregame, what we will do is I will come back on in the first segment real quick. I'll introduce the lineups for tonight, and then we will give you what you heard if you didn't hear it uh, the, during the stretch run. Great stuff. Aaron Portsline of Columbus Post-Dispatch joined us, as well as Joe Haggerty of Comcast Sportsnet New England, and we had some good puck talk, Whew. for sure. That, that was good stuff. That last stuff with Haggerty, I think yeah. I think you nailed it. It's it's coming. It's coming, yep. and if if it's not this next three-game stretch, we talked about Buffalo back-to-back, they're, January's loaded. you got St. Louis on the road. you got Nashville on the road. You have Chicago coming here. You have Pittsburgh on the road. You have Pittsburgh coming. Like, there's... So many games there that you just look. I look at now. I say automatic. Like they're gonna lose. Yeah. They're gonna lose this game. So yeah. if he if he makes it through January, Dude. that would then then he's God a miracle help, worker, you man. Know, he God deserves help. a Jack Adams right there. Exactly. If he if they make it through January, if he makes it through January, that means yeah. the team's playing well, and that means that they are still in playoff contention and it's going well. But I don't I don't see it. I just speaking, don't see it happening. Speaking of Jack Adams Award candidates, as as we discussed with Aaron Portsline, you'll hear it again in the pregame. Uh, John John Tortorella is definitely the front runner right now. I sent you a link there, Sully. I don't know if you got it. We'll see we here. were talking about Torts's interesting relationship yes. with the media, and uh, you know he's had some interesting uh, experiences. And we mentioned Larry Brooks. We'll listen to this. Should one of their guys have taken a third man in? I'm not going to answer any questions from you. You're not? No. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. I'll speculate. You speculate and be as, be as sarcastic as you can be, as you usually oh, I are. I will. Go right ahead. Good. Did, uh, should one of you guys have taken a third man in? I said I'm not taking your an- answering any of your questions. No. Have you ever fought before? Yeah. You have? Yeah. Why? Are you challenging me now? No, no, I'm not okay. challenging you. Okay. You know, Red, Redden, Redden sticks up for his teammates the other night. Yeah. And you come come out with some sarcastic article? It was funny. It was funny? Yeah. Well, you know what? You were probably beat up in the bus stop most of the time. I think so, huh? <laughs> Next. Well, the late secondary goal. Even the you're second... a great representative of, of the city. You know that? Will you let these other guys... Right. Just go stand okay. somewhere else, no. would you please? No, I won't. <laughs> wow. That is, uh, that's John Tortorella at his finest there. And those oh, were the old it. days when he's with the Rangers. I love it. Having those battles. It was, uh, it was good. Oh, my God. That's, that doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was good <laughs> stuff with Larry Brooks of the New York Post. Up at the bus stop. <laughs> you could just go to YouTube no and you, you'll find Zero great chill. stuff there from, uh, John Tortorella. But you know what? He's piped it down a bit, man. And he's, yeah, he's really got it together. So, uh, Good game tonight. Maybe not so good for the Bruins. I'm predicting the Columbus Blue Jackets win. I'm right with you. This, I'm gonna this say. Could get ugly. <laughs> I'm gonna say three to one, Columbus. I'm gonna say five to two, Columbus. Ooh. Tuca will get pulled at some point. Not wow. not of his own doing, but of we're gonna we're gonna save him from this one because it's getting ugly. I really do think that 
they're due. They're just due for one of these get smacked type games. And what I saw in Carolina at the end of that game, watching the end of that game, I was losing my mind. I'm watching it with my buddy. My whole crew is there. We always watch the Bruins games at his house. And that was just horrible. Just horrible. Yeah. It just, the, well, Tuke is not going to let in that goal. You know, obviously, yeah, it's not going to happen yeah. that way. But that, to me, is that's the team right now. They, they lose they lose games that they should win, and they show up in games that they sh- shouldn't be in. But it's going to come to a head here. They're, yeah. they're not going to be there tonight. It's just not going to happen. Well, we shall see. Stay tuned. The ESPN New Hampshire Boston Bruins pregame show as the Bruins take on the Columbus Blue Jackets. We've got it here, 6-7 pregame, and then the game in Columbus at 7. We'll be right back with that. It's now. 